So in this New Year's series, we're trying to become smarter and faster and stronger, but we're, we're doing so in a way that requires wisdom, which is completely different than what the world would tell us. When you hear about getting stronger, you may be thinking about increasing the amount you can deadlift over here at Planet Fitness. Uh, but that's not what I'm talking about, and that may be a good thing and maybe even a worthy goal that you have, but what I'm talking about is becoming a stronger person, becoming someone who is more confident, someone who's no longer just barely surviving to thriving, someone who can actually help those who are helpless. See, the, the scriptures tell us a very different path towards becoming strong than what the world would tell us. Rather than being loud, the path towards genuine strength is actually learning to listen. Rather than gaining more power by knocking others down, genuine strength comes by serving others and lifting them up. Rather than being arrogant, the path towards genuine strength requires humility. Now, I think deep down we know this. Inside, we, we have this sense of justice needs to happen when we come across someone who's proud. Let me give you just a, a quick example. Have you ever been driving on Mopac? <laughs> and someone cuts you off and they keep going and they're just driving crazy, but then a few minutes later you see they've been pulled over? <laughs> Doesn't something inside of you feel good about that? <laughs> or that time when George McFly finally knocks Biff out in Back to the Future? Now, I'm not talking about taking joy in other people's lives falling apart. But something inside of us knows that justice is coming for those who are arrogant. The scriptures tell us in Proverbs 16, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. See, humility not only wears better on people, but in the end, it's a wiser way to live. It, it, a great lesson for, some of us may be thinking, this is a great lesson. We need all the proud people to hear this. But here's the thing about pride. It's like body odor. Everyone else knows you have it, even if you do not. <laughs> Somehow we enjoy our own stank, even as we can point it out on others. But rather than overestimating ourselves, starting to realize that maybe we don't have it all together, maybe there are areas in which we can grow. I've heard it said that reality is actually when you finally run into realizing that you are wrong. We all like to think of ourselves one way, but in reality, it's remind, reality is reminding us that our ego is bigger than we think. And people's pride keeps catching up to them. We see this all the time. And I'm not just talking about politicians or celebrities or athletes. I'm talking about our neighbors, our coworkers, our family, maybe even in our own life. We've had that fall. So, but it's important to know that pride is actually a choice. It's a choice that we're making to try to make ourselves look bigger and stronger than we actually are, which is why the Proverbs rail on this idea. Rather than holding our life steady or bringing out the best of us, pride actually does the complete opposite. It's wisdom that gives us something in which to base our life, to grow. But it's counterintuitive. 1 Corinthians 1 says it this way, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. 
See, humility is starting at what the world calls weakness. It's admitting our flaws, our imperfections, our vulnerabilities, and beginning from there. That's why we say at Gateway, no perfect people allowed. We want to set the stage that we can be authentic with where we're at. And we want to lower your expectations of us before you ever even come. (laughs) I've actually had one person in the seven years that I've been here who refuted that statement. He felt he was perfect. Yeah, and I tried to encourage him to keep coming, saying community is a wonderful place to discover how imperfect you truly are. And I didn't say it exactly like that, and he didn't continue to come. But I want to encourage you that coming as you are means being open and honest, no matter what, where your faith may be, no matter what your struggles might be. And it's in being honest with where you are that you are finally in a position to not stay as you are. You can't find healing if you don't admit you need it. But it's hard. It's hard to acknowledge we need help. We're told to suck it up, to to be stronger, when in reality the path towards genuine strength is humility. No one likes being humbled. But I, I think deep down, we value this idea of humility. But more than valuing valuing it, we need to become humble, and it's in that context that we discover wisdom. We can actually cultivate the practice of humility. It's a choice that we can make. And I want you to think of a a great parallel to this is like a seed. A, A seed seemingly looks weak and tiny small and defenseless but inside there's so much potential waiting to be realized but in order for that seed to discover its potential a seed must actually die we actually bury that seed where it's seemingly forgotten this is actually an analogy that Jesus makes about our spiritual journey listen to what he says in John 12 very truly I tell you unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies It remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. See, the path that Jesus invites us to take is one in which we die to ourself. Weakness is the path towards strength. It's an acknowledgement that I need God to guide me, that he becomes the center of my life. Dying to our selfishness, dying to ourself, actually is how we find life. James, Jesus' half-brother, and eventually one of the leaders in the church, says it this way in James 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. See, the world tells us to, to elevate ourselves, but the scriptures tell us, no, leave that to God. Instead, humble yourself, and God will bring something strong and true to life in you. And I have a great example of that. It's you. This church family. You have exemplified humility, a willingness to listen, a willingness to create a safe space. And in doing so, we've grown, we've become stronger. We're 10 years old. Happy anniversary, by the way, to all of you. And out of curiosity, how how many of you were a part of Gateway, even before Gateway South. Just stand up, just stand up. Give these folks a hand. They helped start (laughs) Gateway South. 
Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, some of you may have even been there, some of those that stood. Uh, up at Gateway North, Bruce Gilson, he was our founding campus pastor. Him and his wife, Amy, served so faithfully and effectively. But Bruce got up one Sunday trying to encourage anyone who lived south of the river to come join the, the core team for starting Gateway South. And just, he says, join me outside where we have these funky cupcakes. But he did not use the word funky. Yes, he said, he said that other word on stage in the original invitation to join us here at Gateway South. <laughs> and we have a guy who actually still has that shirt. Do you have that picture? This is Alan. He was wearing that South Campus and the funky cupcake. Say that very intentionally and slowly along the way. Now, how many of you just stand up? If you started coming when we were at Covington Middle School, Covington Middle School, go ahead and stand up. All right, that's my era. Excellent, lots of us coming to middle school. Now, John and Kathy Burke were here, first service, and you may not know this, but actually Covington Middle School was named after Kathy's grandfather. Isn't that something? He was a band director for years in Austin ISD, and his namesake is Covington Middle School. But then we moved to Crockett High School. Five years in middle school, we finally moved to Crockett High School. <laughs> How many of you started coming when we were at Crockett? Go ahead and stand up. Let's see our Crockett era. All right, several of us. So let me guess. Also part of our church family, if you started coming in the last two years, or even today, would you just stand up if you started coming? All right. Very cool. That's exciting. It's, a, it's an amazing thing to see how there are a few folks, not even in Austin, dreaming of a community where people could come no matter where they were in their journey. And I've shared this with you before, but South Austin in particular is known across the country in church planting circles as a church planter's graveyard. <laughs> True, there have been more churches that have started and not made it here than most places in America. And yet because of your humility, your generosity, your faithfulness, we've made it to 10. And the best is yet to come. I wanna show uh, some old vintage video. And you're gonna recognize some people. Now, you'll see Bruce, he, he's a bald white guy. You'll think it's me, but I know we all look the same, but, <laughs> but you'll see uh, others that you might recognize. So just to reminisce, just to remember what God has done in us and through us, let's watch.
you know, it's amazing because, yeah, isn't that fun? As adults, we all look the exact same. It's these kids that have changed. One of those little guys wearing the camouflage jacket, he's now 6'3". And, and some of those little ones dancing around, they just went off to winter camp, and you already heard it, but I'm going to say it again. We won winter camp. Yeah. yeah. Three or four years, actually. One of the North leaders says, well, it's just not fair because that South group is just so tight-knit. But I, if you are a high school student or you know a high school student, next Sunday we're starting a new Alpha series for our high schoolers at 11, which will be a fantastic eight or nine weeks together. But I want you to know it's important to understand that the church, the word church is often misunderstood. It's not a building. It's definitely not a cafetorium. Uh, by the way, did you see the little kid behind bars? We didn't have prison bars. We had fake walls in a hallway and fake walls in a lobby. The church is not a service. See, the church is us. We are the church. Those of us who follow Jesus, we represent Jesus to the world, and you, Gateway South, have represented Jesus well. You've helped create a place where men and women have had a safe place to find God and to grow in their faith. You created a beautiful place where children and teenagers can experience unconditional love and community. You created a place where people have discovered friendships that have actually moved beyond that to feel more like family. We've seen new ones enter into our community through the miracle of pregnancy or adoption. And along the way, we've mourned together, saying goodbye to people we love far too soon. But together, you and I, we've been able to see God do amazing things in us and through us, you have served our city. You have served your neighbors in South Austin and downtown and Dripping Springs and Buda and Kyle. You have been faithful in serving victims of the hurricane in Houston or serving in Branson or Dallas or New York City or Minneapolis or Chicago. You have served faithfully. Some of you have helped build wells in Nicaragua or helped build a hospital in India or rebuild a village in Haiti. And you built friendships in the West Bank, in Mexico, and so many other places. You have helped start a new campus, Gateway Central. And I just want you to know it's so rare because the world is filled with people who are, are, are told to choose a side and instead you continue to choose grace. It takes humility to love people who vote differently, who look differently, who may believe differently or make different choices, and yet you continue to choose on the side of loving people. You see, a loving community is both inclusive and willing to have honest and hard conversations, and the key is knowing when. But because of your faithfulness, your generosity, your humility, and God's help, we've made it to 10 years. So how do we, as individuals even, continue to cultivate humility or move towards humility that in our own life we can grow to become who God's created to be so that together our next 10 years can be better than the previous 10? Well, a seed buried in the ground needs one thing in order to grow, and that's water. That's how a seed becomes a sapling. And developing humility in our lives is a foundational habit. In order to do that, it's, we're going to just talk about one thing that you and I can do better, and that's listening. 
I'm gonna give you three ways that listening can actually help us grow in humility. Proverbs 17, 28 says, even fools who keep silent are considered wise. When they close their lips, they are deemed intelligent. Yes, it's true. The Bible just said, if we would just shut up, <laughs> we would seem wiser. But how much more wise will we be if we paid attention and listened? So here's the first way that listening can actually help us grow in humility. First, listening opens us up to new ideas. Proverbs 15 says, without counsel, plans go wrong, but with many advisors, they succeed. See, that's why we're always pointing you towards community, serving others with others through Starting Gate is one of the best ways to allow people into your life. That's why we have things like Financial Peace University starting today at four o'clock or Alpha for Adults on Wednesday night. All this is at the Connect Spot. I shared on the first Sunday of the new year that there's a study done that actually says that you have the same health benefits in connecting with community as quitting smoking. And some of you may have thought, oh, well then I'll get connected and keep smoking. It'll cancel it out. <laughs> well, that's not what I'm saying. But isn't that amazing that health comes in the context of community? Having other people in your life that can help you see things differently than the way perhaps you've been stuck seeing them. See, some of us have come to closure too soon on who we think God is. Some of us have come to closure too soon on what we think God wants to do in our life and through our life. Our first Sunday in this location was on March the 20th. And one of my favorite verses is Ephesians 3.20 that says, God wants to do more in you than you could ever ask or imagine. We need to have open hearts and open minds, allowing others to speak hope when we don't feel it. But second, listening keeps us from making mistakes. Proverbs 10, 17, whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but one who rejects a rebuke goes astray. Just by paying attention to what others have to say and others in our life, we can actually avoid a world of pain. Experience is the best teacher, but it doesn't have to be your experience. We can learn from others' mistakes. This can decrease the pain in our life as we learn from others. But number three, listening removes us from the center of our attention. See, pride is when we think either too highly of ourselves or too lowly of ourselves. Either case, pride is thinking about ourselves. And we can get sucked into our own world and miss what God has for us, miss even what's happening all around us. It's important to realize that we are not the most informed. We are not always right. And we don't have to be to be valued, to be important, to be loved. How much of our speaking in our relationships is because we're trying to feel heard? Our world lives on the assumption that strength is being heard, being seen, getting things done, but the scriptures tell us, Proverbs 19, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but the prudent are restrained in speech. When we learn to listen, we grow in humility. We're like a tiny seed that has died to self, that, that's being watered, that actually grows into something strong, enduring, and even breathtaking. Those little seeds we showed you earlier on the screen, they grow into a sequoia. Have you ever seen a sequoia? They can live for thousands of years. They, they endure forest fires. They're, they're above so much and endure for so long. You and I can 
become steady and strong when we do the right thing, no matter how small it is, over and over, daily dying to self. Humility is the accumulation of knowledge combined with selflessness in listening, and that helps us develop character. We become trustworthy. Our words become not only laced with wisdom, but our actions demonstrate wisdom. There's a substance, a depth to our lives. Proverbs 29 says it this way, a person's pride will bring humiliation, but one who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. See, there's a shortcut to humility. It's called humiliation. (laughs) I recommend choosing humility than allowing it to be chosen for you. When we humble ourselves before the Lord, he will lift us up, the scriptures tell us. Some of you know this story, but when we were moving into this building, we, it, it was a big stretch for us. I mean a big stretch. It required a great deal of sacrifice and generosity. And, and, and along the way, I, I don't know if you've ever dealt with like a building project, but we were supposed to move in in the fall of 2015. Do you think that worked out? No, it did not. And then we thought it was gonna be January. And then we thought it was gonna be February. And in the end, as I said, it was March the 20th. But right in the middle of all that, the last week of February, I had to leave town, right in the middle of everything trying to get ready. I, I teach a seminary course in February and in August every year in San Diego. But not only was I teaching this class at a just inopportune time, but every night while I was in San Diego, I had to travel to speak in Los Angeles or Sacramento the next night or San Diego one night and then Fresno the other. And in the middle of all this, Everything somehow was coming together, but I woke up one morning in particular and I started reading from Psalm 16, and, and it's a verse that actually is quoted in a song that we would sing quite a bit in those days. It says that we will not be shaken because God is with us. And I remember holding on to that verse, even as I got to the airport trying to get to Fresno and they told me the plane was delayed, I had to remind myself, I will not be shaken. I may not make it to the Fresno, but I'm going to be okay. And and some of you are new to me, I panic. (laughs) That's like my go-to emotion. And so when it was delayed again, I kept saying to myself, I will not be shaken, God is with me. And and then I went over to ask them about options and it didn't look good to make it to Fresno. And so then I asked about another plane and and that became suddenly a possibility. But even then, even as I got on this other flight with this other airlines, it still looked super close that I may not make it in time to speak. And I was quoting that verse, I will not be shaken, and then I get onto the plane, and at the time we were doing a series, some of you remember this, it was called Life 24-7. And I found different books in the Bible with chapter 24 and verse seven just were exactly what we needed, but I was running out of those. And so I chose Acts 2-47, close enough. (laughs) And as I was sitting on the plane, just reminding myself, I will not be shaken, God is with me, I started reading through Acts 2 to prepare for that Sunday's message, and I came across, we will not be shaken, for God is with us. I was like, wait a minute, I thought that was in Psalm 16. Here it is in Acts chapter 2. Well, Peter was quoting that verse. And I just sat in that plane, and I thought, you know what? This is God saying, I don't have to worry, whatever happens. But I I did something I've never really done before. I started texting people asking them to pray, because at this point, I was starting to have a sense of peace that I was going to make it. Now, the people hosting the event didn't feel nearly as optimistic, but I, I felt like God was saying, you're gonna make it. So I started texting my kids, because I wanted them to remember the time where we prayed for the miracle that I'd make it to Fresno. 
I, I texted some of you, some of our leaders, that, to pray because I wanted you to be a part of this miracle. And I landed in Fresno and got into this car and they drove me to the place and then I'm putting on my microphone, walking to the front just as the video ends and I'm supposed to stand up and speak. And I shared. Now I don't know if it meant anything to anyone else in the crowd, but it meant the world to me. See, sometimes God says yes to small requests so we can trust him when he says no to big ones. And so that, that night, I knew we were going to be okay. And over the years, that passage, Psalm 16, that idea that we will not be shaken, that God is with us, has resonated within this community, not only through the song, but I remember when we lost our friend John Deal. We had 300 high school kids and their parents come to this room the night after. And I'd asked Hannah and Kyle to just lead us in some songs before we spent some time praying. And the first song they started to sing was, We Will Not Be Shaken. I was reminded even when things happen we don't expect or want, he is still with us. And so yesterday, I'm, I just happened to be reading through the Psalms, and I come to Psalm 16, and I found this verse, which perfectly describes how I feel about this community. It says this, the beauty of faith-filled people encompasses me. They are true, and my heart is thrilled beyond measure. See, faith-filled people have a faith bigger than their circumstances. They choose to love God and love people even when they don't feel like it. And you've done that for us. You've done that for me. And so I want to invite you in this moment to consider what is, what is God trying to teach you? What is God trying to grow in you? See, he is not done with you yet. He's not done with us yet. And for some of you, maybe that next step is there are some people you haven't been listening to and this week you need to go to them and you need to apologize or you need to just close your mouth and listen. Or, or maybe your next step is to say, yes, you know what, I wanna follow after Jesus. I wanna actually do what some of those folks did on the screen. I wanna get baptized, showing the world that I have died to my old life and have been raised to walk a new life. For some of you, maybe it's to jump into this community, start serving or start leading at a way that you haven't before. Who is it that God wants you to serve? What is it he's trying to show you? During this song, I want you to reflect on that question. Just ask God to speak to you. God, what do you have next for me?